and welcome to another exciting episode of Matt and E Matinee. Today we'll be reviewing the Spike Lee film She's Gotta Have It. Yeah. I I Wait. wanna I'm gonna admit something a little embarrassing. Um, uh oh. I thought this movie was called She's Gotta Have It. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, not the title of the film. And then I looked it up and then I was like, why can't I find this movie? And I'm like, because that's the wrong name. Did you eventually find it and watch it? Oh yeah, it? no, I've watched this movie. Okay. Um, so, wait, the, this did you summer- know? What? Okay, yeah, brief summary first. The, brief the, summary. the very brief summary of this movie is, um, it's basically about this woman. Um, it take, it's a very independent film, so it takes place in the 1980s which is when it came out. I um, mean, it's in black and white, mostly. And um, it's about this woman who's trying to simultaneously date three men. And they all know that she's sort of in this triple relationship, and they're not super about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I guess, where do you want to start? So, this is my... I have a giant nitpick about this movie. Um, It's kind of shot in a sort of documentary-like style. Yeah. Where there's asides with the cameras, there's interviews with, like, you know, people in the movie where they talk about the events. It starts out with her basically saying, you know, I'm only doing this to show that, you know, I'm not a freak. And, you know, this is understandable. And it's sort of... It's shot with sort of her being the protagonist, like, in this documentary style. But at the same time, like, there's shots that you just never have in a documentary. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And that would kind of was distracting to me. I think, like, I don't know. It it did not bother me as much. Um, not sure why, because, yeah, I definitely picked up on that and actually kind of predicted that that would be something that you would not enjoy. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a nitpick. Just sort of like, why would they yeah. have these shots of them having sex if it was a documentary film. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, there's clearly things that, like, would not have been recorded. But I guess, I don't know, I just... It, it, to me, it seems like it's very characteristic of a lot of first features, um, I guess especially at that time. I mean, and today, like... Yeah, it's, it's You know what I mean? It screams yeah. indie, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it screams, like, I mean, even though it's like a low budget film, obviously, and it but it made like way more than it um, was way more than it cost. And so that's part of why it catapulted Spike Lee to, you know, the position he's in now. Um, But yeah, I think it definitely I think that was a factor of like first feature, like just trying to tell this story, just trying to like, you know. Obviously, I mean, there was an artistic decision to it, but yeah. I, um, I didn't mind it and I kind of like, I I kind of liked it because I think that it, it, like, made, I think those, I actually think those scenes where they're talking directly at us were my favorite of, compared to the more, um, verite scenes. Yeah, no, I mean... I don't know, just, it was a little bit distracting, but, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. ultimately, I think it was effective to a degree. Yeah. 
I think the more um, difficult thing for me was I think that like the pacing, like it lulled pretty significantly in the middle. Like I, I remember checking the timestamp and like around 40 minutes, I was like, and it's a, it's an hour and 20 minute film about roundabout. And it was like, okay, we've done 40 minutes. We have another 40. Like, I'm not really sure how, like, how is, how are things going to change? I, I mean, well, and obviously they the do. They introduced the three boyfriends over like a pretty long period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like, it's like, probably at the 40 minute mark is when they fully introduced all three of the boyfriends. And then at that point, I'm just like, are they going to introduce more boyfriends? Like, <laughs> what's going to happen? What's going to be the rest of the movie? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, obviously, once the boyfriends are all introduced, then there's the drama of like, well, they don't like that they have to share her and all that stuff. But um, I don't know. I think like, I think it definitely lags at times because I think it falls into the trap that many films fall into which is like the second act kind of lulls um but like overall I still found it really interesting and I wanted to see like how is how is Spike Lee gonna handle this narrative of this woman who just like wants to have multiple partners um and I was I'm not gonna like give anything away but like I was very upset with how I thought it was going to end, and then how it actually ended, I was very pleased with. What did you What did um, you think of the characters in the film? Like, well, first of all, also there is a lesbian character <laughs> who <laughs> I feel like they did not treat her very well, but I also understand, they also didn't treat her like super shitty, but, um, but okay, so the main character, Nola, um, I mean, overall, I, I, I think I liked the characters. I mean, they obviously are all these very different people. Like, I wish I wish Nola had gotten a little bit more, like, like there's all there's all these men that are pursuing her, and like you know she's kind of portrayed as like oh like this real badass person, but like I guess I I could have afforded a little bit more of her like doing those types of things mm-hmm. and also just like where i think we never really figure out where she's coming from not to say that she like like yeah like her her motivations are always sort of somewhat ambiguous yeah which in a way is kind of nice because it's like i think some people would want to try and explain like oh well why does she feel like she needs to have multiple partners and it's like some people just enjoy having multiple partners and they do not want to be um monogamous and i i I mean i guess i would have liked to know more about nola not necessarily as an explanation of you know yeah i I don't i don't necessarily want her to them to explain why does she want three boyfriends yeah i want them to explain like i want her to like you know what's her job or yeah yeah i want her to do like more badass things well they do they do Tell tell us what her job in the beginning, like the first half. Yeah, she does some layout stuff, um, and she's clearly kind of in the vein of like the artistic, and that's why I feel like uh, I don't watch. This is actually my first Spike Lee film. um, I'm pretty sure, Um, but I I don't 
I, I don't know. I don't watch that much black cinema. Like, I'm trying to watch more, but I think it's very, like, limited in what's, like, available freely. Yeah. But I think that, like, I I enjoyed this film because it, I don't know, it, even though it's obviously from the 80s, it felt like something that you don't see very often, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, all of the yeah. characters are black, or not all of the characters, I don't think, but most of the characters are black, but they're all, like, you know, very different. They're not stereotypes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. they sort of, they are they're stereotypes, tropes. but not, yeah. like, yeah. They're not stereotypes of black people. And then, actually, in the credits, I watched the whole credit sequence. At, at the very end, there's, like, a, this film contains no, oh, shoot, what did it say? Like, no drugs and no something else, like, maybe guns or something. Basically, it was like, look, this film, like, we're not, we're telling the story of black, a story of some black people in America, and we don't have to rely on the things that I, I mean, that back then and still today, people assume and associate with, you know, black people, so, or black neighborhoods, so. I mean, you have the, I don't remember the character's name, but the, like, the. The really like the the model guy, one of the people she, Greer. she dates is a model. What Greer? That's Greer. Right. Yeah. Um. And he's really funny because like he's very serious. Um. And like, uh, what was like, he's just like way over the top and like you know, very mm-hmm. self serious and very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't. I, he, there's this uh, very funny scene where, like, you know, him and Nola are, f- are flirting, and then Nola's, like, in the bed, and she's like, come to bed. And so he takes off all, he starts taking off his clothes. Oh, my God, yeah. But every piece of clothing he takes off, he has to pull down and put it nicely because he doesn't want to get wrinkled because it's, you know, nice clothes. And it, after every piece of clothing, it flashes back to Nola, and she's getting more and more, like, tired, just, mm-hmm. like, uninterested. It's a very funny scene. Yeah. But, like, that, that type of character is not a type of character you typically see represented in cinema. Yep. And he's, he's not a, I mean, I think a, a big thing about breaking down, you know, prejudice, it's one thing to have a character in a film of a, of a certain background. It's another thing to have that character, like, you know, be generically positive. But I mean, I think in order to have like, you know, true equal representation, you need to have sort of these, these uh, three dimensional characters who have sort of have like you know very clear negative characteristics of them oh because, for sure like i feel like it's very easy to have like a mary sue type character where basically yeah they're a minority and yeah they're positive but they're just very bland and not really realistic yep um as opposed to like you know like someone of you know an under like under, some underrepresented group like you know with like the women in uh, broad city like you know they're not I haven't really watched that much Broad City, but, you know, my impression is they're not really characters you want to emulate, mm-hmm. but, you know, they are three-dimensional characters, and that is what true representation is. Of course. And that's sort of what you see in this movie. You see these these um, African-American characters who are, you know, I would say with the exception of Nola, like, you know, I wouldn't want to be like any of these characters, mm-hmm. um, 
but they are like you know fairly dynamic or like you know fairly developed yeah agreed i think it goes back to like what i hear repeated a lot in terms of like how do you bring diversity to the screen or really any kind of like narrative art practice um and it's really just like you have to you just have to create characters and like let diversity or underrepresented minority care uh actors, actors or or actors. whatever play those parts because the any character you write like unless it's i don't know like i mean obviously if you're if you write a character and they're experiencing racism because they're black like you cannot cast a white person in that role you know but like it's it's you know, if you're not doing that, then just cast people who look different. I think Yeah, well, this is... Yeah. We'll get back to the... Sorry. This is kind of a giant tangent. We'll get back to the movie in a sec. Yeah. Um, but I think Aya Cash, who's um, the female lead on You're the Worst, said something very interesting on a podcast, which was basically, like, you know, in plays, we're perfectly fine with race-blind casting, like, like in Hamilton, you can have people of the same family be different ethnicities, mm-hmm. but in movies and in TV, we're much more stringent about you know, yes, race. The one, uh, the last thing, and then we'll get back to the film. The <laughs> one movie that doesn't care about that does do race blind is the Cinderella live action with Brandy. <laughs> have you seen that? No. Okay, so Brandy is Cinderella. There's an Asian guy is the prince and then i think Whoopi goldberg and a white guy are his parents so definitely watch that film i don't know who brandy is brandy the r&b the r&b singer from the 90s and 2000s and now i don't know who that is the 1997 film wow what whitney houston was the fairy godmother oh man anyway out You are missing. These, I mean, uh, these these podcasts also devolve into us berating each other for never having seen films. You've still oh, never seen them do the right thing. I, tr- you know, what's funny. I tried, and then I just didn't. I stopped after like ten minutes. I was like, no, don't feel it today. I'll try again after seeing this and enjoying. I know it's a great film. Don't get me wrong. I just like sometimes you got to be in a mood. Anyway, you know? <laughs> what, so um, this film, she's got she's got to have it. Yeah. Um, I would say, I don't know. I don't think it was a great film. It was, it was fine. Um, yeah. I think the, would the, I watch I it the again? Acting, the oh, acting no. very, very much feels like it's an independent film. The actors yes. are yeah. generally not great. Yeah. And um, the, and I would say also too, the dialogue is not um, great as well. I think it feels... Oftentimes it feels very, I don't know, stilted. Would that be the term? It feels unnatural. Yeah. Um, you have Spike Lee in it. I think Spike Lee's. I like Sp- Spike Lee's character is probably my favorite. In yeah, because he's like was well acted. He's such a. Can I swear on this? Yeah. You've sworn on this before. Okay, he's my such parents a fuckboy. Now though, so you're swearing <laughs> in front of my parents. He's kind of a, he's a fuckboy, but he's also, he's like a biker fuckboy. He wears the, he, there's a scene in the film. I'm pretty sure this is, was not intentional. I think he runs into the camera on his bike and like, (laughs) uh, that's during one of the, like, clearly this is a documentary. um, I mean, he's, 
like the the reason why uh, why Nola likes him is because he's you know funny and he'll be like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah." You sure? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. You really yeah. really sure? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So in terms of yeah, so like, I agree. I don't think it's. I think it has a lot of flaws, but I think that it's. I, it does not surprise me that this film was so popular and did so well at the box office. I'm actually kind of surprised that it had a... I'm assuming it was rated R? Uh, probably. I mean, it probably was an NC-17. I don't know if they had this... I mean, this is probably... When did they go to... What? When was PG-13 implemented, even? Well, it's definitely... I don't think it could have been PG-13, but I'm just... So it wasn't NC-17. I doubt it. it okay, that's interesting. successful if it that's, was. That's what I, I figured. I mean, it's not really that... It's not graph, really that graphic. No, but... I mean, it, it's not that graphic, but I just remember... I think that MPAA film documentary that oh, you yeah, told me about. Yeah. yeah. You know, they say things about, like, how films that show more like sexual content in terms of like women's pleasure are they skew more towards like being inappropriate at, and in terms of like the NC-17 rating. I mean, they versus... also have uh, whatever it's called, um, like a bias against independent films. and Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of actually just surprised me um, that, but I mean, I, that's another thing that, so in addition to the narrative and like what the narrative is doing, I liked it. To me, it seemed like it was shot in a, I don't, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say like female gaze, but like definitely like not like salacious male gaze in terms of the sex scenes and I mean, stuff I like that. I thought it, it felt like it was shot trying to be the female gaze. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I still that was something that I think that's something that I think is problematic about the story about this film in general, just sort of like for a movie that's supposed to be about like this empowered woman, like the male characters are a lot more developed. Like we don't yeah. like I said, we don't yeah. really see that much of her like you know yeah. outside of this or, triangle, yeah. Yeah, like she's she's very much defined by the men in her life. Well, no, I mean is she defined by it or is it that I think, could we flip that idea and say the men in her the, life are defined by her? Yeah. In terms of like, we see more of the men's motivations because she, well, yeah, no, that's the whole problem. Well, I'm just um, saying that the, the, the problem yeah. is like, you know, I get like, you can say things about her, the people she was, the, the guy she was dating I, you could probably, I, I just think you could say more characteristics about the guy she was dating than about than her. about her, for sure. True, true. And I think that you know that's a problem for a movie that tries to build up like you know it's about this woman and her issues. Like eh, it's about the men around her. Yeah, and you know that's somewhat problematic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would say definitely. And I'm wondering if that is a result of Spike Lee being a man and like obviously like caring about this female character and like her um, identity and like 
what she like wants. Um, I mean, also not being able to. Yeah, well, yeah, and like not, I guess not, like being more concerned with like these three men than her, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, music is great. The music was composed by Spike Lee's father. I thought the music was really cool. There's there's one scene in the movie where it goes into it being in color. Um, and that's basically one of the characters, um, the one boyfriend we haven't talked about, Jamie, who I think is kind of like a boring old man. Not old, but like, you know. Southern. Southern, like, you know, late, he seems like he's in his late 30s. Yeah, seems polite. He's that, he's that man that you're like, oh, he's such a sweetheart, and then he's not actually that sweet. Yeah, um. He was, yeah, so he, for her, for Nola's birthday, he pays some of his dancer friends um, and music friends to write her a song and dance, and, like, it's a this musical number. And it's not, like, extravagant, but it's kind of like, you know, I, I mean, it's I thought it was a really nice scene in the movie where it's sort of a song about her and, like, you know, her not really knowing what she wants, mm-hmm. not in, like, a patriarchal way, but, you know, in a very typical way where it's like, you know, I don't know what I want with my life, you know, type thing. Um, yeah, it's sort of like this nice scene in color and like, you know, you sort of understand why he did it for her and I don't know, that was a really nice scene and a cool little musical number. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you, what would you give it? Well, uh, I'm trying to anything else we want to talk about in the movie. I mean the the one more ele- the other elephant in the room. Um, I feel like we should address is like when the when Jamie, the like the older guy, like sexually assaults um, Nola. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't know if we wanted to like give that away. Oh. <laughs> but I guess we did. Um, yeah, I think it like totally like changed the tone for me and I was really worried about how what would happen after that because like that's gonna affect that's a huge thing and like how it's treated in the film is gonna affect how people view things like that which happen all the time in real life so you know like intimate partner violence so I think um yeah I mean Spike Lee said that that was one of his big regrets making this movie that he included that scene. Yeah. What, um, did he elaborate? He thought he was making too light of the issue and should have dealt with it more seriously. Okay. Yeah, I guess I, I think that I agree with that, that self-criticism that he puts on it. Um, I also, though, liked how, like, Nola, well, later Nola talks to Jamie about it, and she says, you, like, near raped me. And I was like, Nola, it was a rape. But, like, even just the fact that she, like, said it to his face, I feel like was really, I thought was really powerful, because I think that it very easily could have been, like, not named. And I think 
it's important to name it for what it is and not kind of skirt around it, even though she doesn't completely name it. But, um, yeah. And like I said, I think, I don't know. I mean, I was, also, it was, again, I have said this before, but it, it was the 80s. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't think, I'm not a big fan of those kinds of excuses, though. Like, oh, it was the... It was, that was the time, you know, like... Well, no, no, I'm, I'm saying in terms of why you should say, like, it was a near read. Oh, yeah, definitions were more, were different back then, but, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so, sort of my general takeaway about this movie, um, it's a little bit bland, um, on the whole. Like I said, I think the characters are not that great acted, and, like, some of them are developed, some of them are less developed. The plot is not, you know, super engaging. Um, but I, I understand, I think this film, you know, this film predates Clerks by, I don't know, quite a few years. And I, my understanding of it, it's like, you know, it was a turning point in terms of independent cinema. Because it is, it is a legitimately good movie. It's not a great movie. Um, yeah. But it's a legitimately good movie made on, like, this small budget. And, like, you know, made from an independent artist. And certainly Spike Lee had a very different perspective than, you know, other other uh, directors at the time, you know. If for nothing else, the fact that, you know, it's a film about, a, a, a film with a female protagonist, yeah. at least nominally. And, you know, basically all black characters with sort of like a general diverse and positive view. So I think I can see how it's like a very important film. Um, I would definitely recommend watching it if you're really interested in like um, like film history, specifically history of independent cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's an enjoyable, pleasant movie to watch. Um, but yeah, it's not if you don't really care about that stuff, you probably won't really care about this movie because again, like. The things that make it interesting, you know, the fact that it's, well, not interesting, but the things that make it unique, sort of, you know, it's history and independent cinema, sort of, you know, it is low budget, and you can tell it's low budget, and, you know, that has very obvious straw, unless that's a positive for you, there are obvious drawbacks to it. Yeah, yeah. In terms of just, like, the quality of the, you know, the acting and the writing. Yeah, I would... I would agree, definitely. Like, it's very rough around the edges, but it's an important film. Yeah, and, and I mean, if, if if that if you really if you're really charmed by that, then you'll like it. Definitely. But if you're not, you know, then it's rough around the edges, and that can sort of hamper your viewing experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I would definitely encourage it for people who like indies, or for people who obviously like if you're trying to like dig deeper into the history of black cinema in the United States. Um, definitely, obviously it's a must watch. Like, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I, it's a shame that I've seen no other, um, Spike Lee films because I feel like I would like to kind of also to talk about where it fits within the, his larger filmography, but I do not know. (laughs) There's a, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about in this. Um, yeah. I think generally you don't see that many references to this film in terms of like expl- like 
relative to other well, at least a lot of independent films you don't necessarily see explicit references to. But um, this reminded me the dinner scene reminded me of the the Futurama this the third or no the second Futurama movie the Beast with a Billion Backs. Mm-hmm. I assume you've seen that, right? Yeah. Did you feel the same way where like you know where Fry is dating this girl who's trying to date like five other people? Oh yeah, I forgot about that actually. <laughs> where each each person has their own like small gimmick and I don't yeah, know. yeah yeah that yeah, was yeah. a funny visual that was a funny gimmick uh, allusion to this film yeah um, oh yeah for sure enjoyed. oh that's funny yeah I forgot about that actually sweet yeah cool um to oh be, uh, rating yeah I would give it you know a high three um, yeah yeah same I think three high three somewhere on that spectrum yeah, it's it, like I said, it's not a great movie, but it's certainly an important movie and a movie that is enjoyable to watch. For sure. Did you know, before we end, they're making a, a remake series on Netflix? Oh, I think I saw that. It looks kind of really bad. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, you know, is Spike Lee going to play this, the same character? No, God, no. <laughs> Although he'd probably be, do a better job than it looks like whoever they have doing it. Um but basically, like, okay, my only thing is, in this, you know, 2017 remake, I'm hoping that they treat their lesbian character um, much better than they treated her in the original. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like I said, like, this movie was kind of... You get to the 40-minute mark, and you're like, what's going to happen? Is Are they just going to keep introducing more and more boyfriends? And then so, they introduce a girlfriend. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, that was earlier in the film. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I would say... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen with this series. I'm kind of skeptical of it, but... You know, Stranger yeah. Things was on Netflix, and that blew mm-hmm. up, so we'll see. True. All right. Rad. Okay. Matinee matinee. Have a nice day. Yeah, you didn't say it. What? Wasn't that what we were saying? Manatee, manatee, manatee. Well, I thought we were changing for. Oh, we're just two. doing have a nice day. Oh, got it. And oh, then yeah. You're going to say hooray. Hooray. Let's, let's try this again. Okay. We're, we're not quite right. there yet. Okay. Uh, matinee, matinee. Have a nice day. Hooray! Whatever. <laughs>